welcome to the Soul Bible Study series from Oak Tree Community Church in South Bend, Indiana. We're working our way through the book of 2 Corinthians, and this is the second week out of three. It's, yeah. it's I mean, it's very We're short. halfway done. Yeah, we're, 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 <laughs> at the end we'll be halfway done. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty quick, and um, we're... We're going over it. We're in, in, like intentionally. We're going over it quickly, so we don't yeah, lose the big level. picture. Yeah, right? exactly. we want to see these threads that fit all the way through. Yeah, because it is a letter. Right, right. And I think the, I think that's a great point. And one of the threads that we saw last week was uh, spiritual maturity. Yeah. So Paul's big condemnation of of the church was, "You guys aren't mature. Look, yeah. I was with you for two years. It's been another two or to four years." Yeah. You're still drinking spiritual milk. Yeah, you're not, not even eating up. solid food yet. Yeah. What's going on? And frankly, we see it this week. We're gonna see it. We're gonna see it. <laughs> we're gonna see it the whole time. Yeah. Uh, last week um, ended with Paul saying, "We make it our ambition to please Him." And I had a thought. I don't think I, I remember to say it, but I had a thought. It's not just you know everybody focuses on the WWJD. What would right. Jesus do? Right. Paul's focus wasn't <clears throat> just or even primarily what would Jesus do, but what will Jesus say when oh, we're standing yeah. before him? What's the Future, judgment seat right. going to look like? That's what he was more focused on is what is Jesus going to say about my life as opposed to what is what would Jesus do in this situation? Right. Which is interesting. So we're in chapter six through ten. Yeah. This week. Exactly. So So chapter six, we, we kind of start back out and again it's it's a problem with spiritual maturity again as as a start. And and Paul's problem is he, he tells the Corinthians that they haven't received God's grace in vain. Yeah. Um and but Paul's issue is the church hasn't loved him back. Yeah. Right. So he spent two years there. He's writing letters. He's sending people there, and they're not showing him any love yeah. on the way back. Yeah. And in in fact, fact, it's yeah, it's bad. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I mean, All these bad things yeah, we were talking. It's not. About. It's not even apathetic. I mean, there's accusations. <laughs> yeah. There's there's uh, you know you're not. Uh, you're not a good enough apostle. You claim more than you're worth. There's all yeah. sorts of stuff. I mean, they got pretty nasty in yeah, some places. They definitely did. So Paul's kind of pouring his heart out with all the difficulties he's facing. And it, it kind of made me stop and think, you would think working for God would be easy. <laughs> right, wouldn't you? <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, you would think... <laughs> When you think working for God would be easy, it seems like it should be. Yeah, it should even be if, easy. even if it's, it seems like it yeah. should be. I mean, well, well right. if God's God, right, the worker, it should be easy. Right. But it's it's the well, it's the opposite. I'm telling you, right. it's the opposite. <laughs> well, yeah. but think of it because you're if you're doing spiritual work. It's a good reminder that this is actually a spiritual work, which means we have spiritual enemies, not just physical right. enemies. There's stuff that we can't see. This is a lot bigger than we are. And and even Paul remembered. And it's, I mean, it's not that he forgot this, but Paul knew he is a small cog in a big machine. Right. Right? But even small cogs... Well, like to have some appreciation and like yeah. to see some progress and, right you know right. he's like am i just am i wasting my time with you guys right exactly you know yeah so paul ends chapter six the second part he talks about the the corinthians to to not to be partners with non-current non not corinthians non-christians non <laughs> unbeliever is so much easier to yeah, say right right well i was going to go with unequally yoked too, yeah uh, yeah uh, 
Um, but the easiest application is marriage. That's one huge one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and by no means is it the only one. Yeah. But the idea is, if if I'm a Christian. I should be pursuing looking to marry a Christian. Right. Right. No fear of marrying somebody and trying to make them a Christian later. Right. And in fact, he deals with that in 1 Corinthians. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But but the idea, is because there are certain things that I need to do and I need yeah. to focus on, and my mate needs to understand that, and the only way they're going to understand that is being a Christian. So in the, the net translation that we're using here, um, it says in verse 14, do not become partners with those who do not believe. By chain, This is one of those areas where I sort of wish they would have kept the the maybe a more traditional translation because mm -hmm. that unequally yoked is the way you said it. Right. Um, the yoke is the the instrument that tied two animals together so that they could pull and share the load. Right. Right? Well, an unequal yoke would be like put an ox with a dog. Right. I mean, there's yeah. no it's, it's way. not going to work. It's not going to work. They're not sharing the fact, load. They're gonna yeah, be, they're not, it's not even going to be It's half. not going to be straight. Right. It's going to be nothing. Yeah. In the case of... of um, whether it's marriage or a business partnership or even two churches that are talking about doing ministry right. together. If you're not paired with someone who is pulling the same direction, who has the same worldview, who has the same values, and you're not going to get anywhere. You're constantly going to be fighting against each other, even if you think, oh, well, you know, uh, we can do this, we can put those things aside. You really can't. You really can't. That's why we, like I said, like you said, marriage. You you've got to marry somebody who's pulling in the same direction. You've got the same goal. You've got the same values, and there are so many other applications right. for that. In this case, in the case they're talking, they're partnering with their their church is partnering with pagans, right? You know, he's talking about you know drinking the same cup. As, as the demon's cup. I mean, like, literally, they're putting demon worship, pagan worship with communion and thinking yeah. it's okay. Right. It's like, yeah, that's, uh, it's not okay. <laughs> right. But it, but it was what I'm sure they grew up with. Right? Yeah. So that was, quote, normal what to they them. Had. Yeah. Right. And added in with, you know, this new one of many religions. Yeah. And, yeah. Yep. All right. So we get into chapter seven, and and like you said, the chapters aren't in here, so we we're kind of just flowing yeah. right in, and, and um, Paul is saying that we need to get rid of things that that could defile us. Yeah. Right. And and how do we do that, and why do we do that? Yeah. And so so he's talking about that in in seven. Yep. And I, I was kind of wondering what what we should do with this section. Um, you know, is there application for us? You know, even in today's world. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, you can, this isn't the only place we see this, you know, Hebrews 12 says, uh, get rid of the weight, the weight or the sin that weighs you down, the things that hold you back. Um, he uses the concept in first Corinthians and second Corinthians of running a race. Right. Um, so athletics, uh, farming, he uses illustrations. There's all these illustrations that you're working towards something. If something's holding you back, whether it's a sin, whether it's a habit, whether it's a person, Maybe it's a person that's holding you back. Um, uh, maybe it's a church that's not teaching Bible doctrine. There's all sorts of things that can right. hold you back in your spiritual growth. <laughs> and he's talking to immature right. believers here. Right. 
sometimes you just have to dump that stuff, get rid of it. Right. So even let's go with another church. And you'd even said if you're yoked with a church and your doctrine isn't the same, yeah. right, you're going to have problems. Yeah. So, so it's not that we shouldn't love that church, but at some point that church isn't working for us. Yeah. So either it's an right. individual saying, I can't work and minister in this church, or it's even two churches. We can't do ministry together right. because we're pulling in different directions. Right? right. And it doesn't mean that they're, well, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, they're a terrible church or right. they're a non-Christian church or, or what they believe is false. Yeah. But the direction they're going isn't the direction I want to go. Right. Yeah. So it could be a vision. It could be right. a mission thing, objectives. But or if where they put emphasis, uh, emphasis. Yeah. But if they are not preaching the same gospel, right. obviously, right. That's, a different, that's, I mean, yeah. you're completely off limits, right? Yeah. Um, Paul also acknowledges that he sent a letter that um, caused caused the church sadness. Yeah, and we think that's the First Corinthians. Um, it might not have been. It might not have been. Yeah, yeah it could have. It could yeah. have been other letters. That yeah. And Paul Paul basically apologizes. Right. He he said he was he was sorry. He had to send it. Yeah. But he doesn't regret sending it. Well, and that's interesting because it's sort of one of those non-apology yeah. apologies, right? Yeah. I know as soon as I said apology, you were kind of yeah, well, getting no, ready. It's, yeah. it's, it's, but it's, no, you're right. Because he said the outcome of it was actually good because right. it caused a very specific type of sadness that led them um, to repent rather than just regret. And I think that's a really neat that distinction that he right. puts in here. Repentance has um, um, a result of life change, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas, so, and, and he says it actually leads to life. Whereas regret is a sadness that just leads to death. I mean, how many times have we lived in a world of regret? Oh, I wish I wouldn't have, I shouldn't right. have, or whatever. Okay, that's not helpful. <laughs> right? right, you know, I mean, right. there there can be change. It's it doesn't. It's not that regret doesn't lead to change. But when you're living in regret as opposed to living in repentance. Yeah, just different. Two, two different yeah. things. And he says, so, yeah, I'm sorry that it was ugly. I'm sorry that it was harsh. But I'm glad that it, it led to repentance right. in your life right? and in your church. Right. So um, chapters 8 and 9 are about giving. Um, I'm just going to kind of you know take them together. Yeah, it's really in, part in of there. the same thing. Yeah. So here's the deal. The church in Jerusalem was struggling. Right, they they needed they needed financial aid, yep. and there was a number of things going on there. Right, there was a famine that was going on. Uh, they were, you know, just happened to be persecuted. Yeah. <laughs> right, persecution right. was becoming a very real and big thing there. Yeah, and a number of them had given away a, a bunch of their possessions, which we read about yep. in the first several chapters of Acts. Right. Chapter two, chapter four, chapter five, they're selling their stuff, they're giving away their stuff because hey, Jesus is coming back soon, right? Right, right. So let's yeah, so here Why we do go. we need all this stuff. Right. And now they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And Corinth is far enough away that um, the famine if it was affecting them, wasn't affecting them like it like it was in Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. And so Paul was not only asking this church, but a number of churches, hey, you guys, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to come up with a donation, and then we'll get the money to Jerusalem. That was a huge part of his traveling ministry within the Gentile churches. Every Gentile church, or every church that he started, and every time he yeah. came back to these churches, he was always trying to raise funds to take back to Jerusalem. Every right. time. It was a major part. Yeah. And Paul noted, hey, guys, at some point, your church may be in trouble. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah. Uh, well, and in the book of Romans, which was written about yeah. the same time as First and Second Corinthians, within about a year, and in fact, it was written from Corinth, interestingly. Right. He said, listen, the Jews, you got huge spiritual benefit from the Jews. Even right. Jesus said salvation begins with the Jews. Right. I this. And in Romans, he's like, you know, you sort of you owe, owe them. them. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was very strongly worded. <laughs> you yeah. owe, so I don't think raising physical monies for them is, that out, of is out of line yeah. at all. Right, right. Um, Paul does make sure that he notes um, others will be taking the gift, yeah. or accepting the gift, and other, and still others will be taking it back to Jerusalem. Yeah, Titus and some other messengers. Yeah. So why did he call out other people versus? I mean, he specifically put that in there. Yeah, specifically put that in there because, especially in Corinth, even if he would have been personally managing it for anybody else, in Corinth there was so much animosity there was so much hostility right. um, of, of uh, people coming in from the outside brainwashing accusing these Corinthians you know against him that he didn't want basically one more thing to be added to the list of yeah, you took our money. And money. Right. yeah all of that stuff right. so he's just like my hands are off of it I've got Titus here you know him and love him and trust him no problem I've got messengers from other churches that are going to be doing this Every, Feel free to suggest people from your own church that you know. Yeah, we're having help. some trusted people who are going to manage these monies. Right. So, is that a go-forward strategy that we should t take into today? In other words, as an elder of a church, should I be totally hands off the money? No, a lot of a lot of churches do that. You know, pastors don't have anything to do with the finances. I think that's a step too far. Okay, I don't know that the elders should necessarily be. Uh, you know, like the only ones doing anything with it, mm -hmm. but I don't think that that's a problem. Biblically, I don't think it's a problem. The elders are supposed to lead the church. Now, if you have financial people in the church who can think that way, who are better at, right. at finances, that's a ministry, let them do it. But there's, in fact, I think it's wrong uh, for elders or pastors to be completely hands-off. How do you lead a church if you don't know what's going on, right? right? The church, uh, in the letter that we have called Philippians, was a partially a thank you letter to the church at Philippi, and he addressed it to the elders, the overseers, and the deacons, right? Because they were the ones who were in charge of the finances that sent the yeah, stuff to him. Yeah. yeah. So in this, it's a special case. It's a special. In fact, this isn't even general church giving. This is a special offering right. for. Uh, right. these these saints. Well, we were talking offline too. Um, you know, as as with a lot of things, finances definitely needs to have appropriate checks and balances. Oh, of course. In businesses and in the church. And in too. the church. You know, there's so you many know, scandals it's, it's, when it comes well, to money. And, and it's because, quote, you trust people, which is great and yeah. wonderful, but there ought to be some checks and balances. Yeah. And some people could even say it's wrong for you not to have those checks and balances to give that person the opportunity. Yeah. I, I would say that it I would say that it would be wrong to not have the checks and balances. Yeah. 
you know, there's, you know, like here at Oak Tree, when, when people count the money that comes in in, in offerings, giving, there's always two people in there. Uh, we don't want them to be related. You know, right. there's, it's being, people know what's going on so that it's, it's, and then somebody else actually takes care of the books. I mean, it's, you don't have the same people, right. you right. know. They know each other. I mean, we're a small church. Everybody knows each other. Yeah, some of that but, you can't get away yeah. from. But I know I know a lot of big churches, especially big churches that are dealing with like hundreds of <laughs> millions of dollars. They just hire outside organizations, you know, that are already credible, that already have you know levels of yeah. checks and balances and everything. I think that may take away a ministry from people in your church, especially if you have people in your church. If it's that big, you've probably got some financial people who could do that really well as a ministry. Right. But those are decisions that they have to make, right? Right. right. Um, one of the things that, that this leads into is tithing. Mm-hmm. So tithing's not a commandment, right? Um, but a, but a good idea. So the so the idea here is what what's different between Old Testament and New Testament with with tithing. Well, in the Old Testament, under the Mosaic Law, the Law of Israel, tithing, a tithe was actually a tax. It was the, under the civil government, it was a tax, um, and not a free will offering, <laughs> like we talk about yeah. tithing so now. So tithing, did tithing mean 10%? It was. It was, it, okay. it was the first tenth of your crop, of your livestock, of your whatever, the first tenth. And it came to the temple or it came to... Malachi 3 says, bring it into the storehouse, okay? And the reason for that is because the Levites, the tribe of Levi, did not get tribal land. Mm-hmm. All the other tribes had land. The Levites were spread out amongst the tribes to minister to them. And they didn't really, I mean, they maybe had that garden plots or whatever, right. but they didn't have land they for needed, agriculture they food. and everything. So food and money. The, the food and money. So the tithe was actually to take care of this tribe. Um. The closest, and this is not a perfect analogy or parallel, but the closest you could get would be like your local church elders. If you have full-time elders, the reason that they can be full-time and doing ministry is because the church is supporting them. Right. And that's the, again, it's not exact, but it's the closest you can get. In the New Testament, number one, there is no amount, not not a dollar amount, not a percentage, not an anything that is required or commanded. Mm Mm-hmm or even really suggested, recommended. But what we do have is we, we find in 1 Timothy that your elders should be taken care of by the church. Uh, you obviously want church ministries to be, to be able to function, right. right? Missionaries you want to be able to support either personally or through your church, okay? Um, Galatians says that any teaching ministry, anybody where you are, uh, you're getting solid teaching, you should support them. First okay. Corinthians chapter nine, Paul says those who uh, live by the gospel or who, who preach the gospel should make their living by the gospel. So you've got missionaries, evangelists, right. and then Galatians six says anytime you have opportunity, do good for all people, especially those who are part of the household of faith. So other charitable giving. So. No, we don't have a tithe yeah. command, but we've got lots of examples yeah. of where we can. Well, we have a verse in here too, right? God, God loves a cheerful giver, and we so we should yeah. do it with a right heart, a right yeah. attitude, with cheerfulness, because we are supporting God's work in this world. Right. 
Yeah. Right. Okay, so now we get into chapter 10, a, li a little bit of a switch Yeah. Uh, going on here. Um, and when I think of Paul, right, when you, when you see the writing, um, I see him as a physically strong individual, which means he's tall. Right? Of course, right. Yeah. Right, and, you know, <laughs> manly man, you know, type, type of thing. Um, you know, we know he's he was a tent maker. Yeah. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but yeah, I mean, he, was um, you know, he had a physical Some job. kind of physical labor. Yeah. yeah. But that doesn't seem to be the case no, at all. No. So we learn about Paul in chapter ten, and Paul acknowledges that um, he was he was meek when he was physically at Corinth. Yeah, and and the church is calling him out. Yeah, kinda. And uh, you use a couple different. Oh, man, you used I a love, couple different. I love verse. Yeah. I love verse ten down here. He said, because some people say his letters are weighty and forceful, but his physical presence is weak and his speech is, is, is of no account. So what we learn about him, and this isn't the only place, he had bad eyesight. Yeah. It sounds like he had a stutter. Okay. Yeah. So sort of like, uh, I'm, I'm calling him a keyboard warrior, right? Yeah. He's tucked yeah, in his parents' in the basement. basement. That was shelved. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the people are on the other side are like, come out side and say that to me you know man on man to man right say that to, say my, that face, to my face right, right. <laughs> but, but so here we are two thousand years ago and they're saying well yeah you can write a mean email but you yeah. know come here to my house and say that yeah right? but, yeah but not when you're here in front of us but that goes right. back to the spiritual immaturity that you're talking about i think right? I, I sure think so <laughs> early part of it right <laughs> right um paul does acknowledge He's not in a physical war, right? Yeah. He, he knows he's in a spiritual war yep. with spiritual weapons, yep. and you know it's a different it's a different kind of war. Well, it's it's great. He because he talks about he says we, we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ or make it obey. He realizes he's working at a at an argument at a thought at a logic level, right? He's, he's trying to get them to change their minds. And he says in Romans that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind, right? So, yeah, he's not, this isn't physical warfare. This is, this is a warfare that's mind and heart. Right. And so the arguments and the approach has to be a little bit different. Yep. And even, even to the point where, you know, these guys are boasting, right? Oh, I could take you, you know, I could beat you up, I could do that. And Paul's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. If you're going to boast, boast about God. Yeah. You know, that's that's somebody to boast for. Yeah, and that's really the the big key it, it, at the end yeah. of the chapter. The one who boasts must boast in the Lord, which is actually, um, he uses that repeatedly. Um, and it uh, it's, it's a quote from the Old Testament. So, uh, yeah. Jeremiah, I think. Yeah. So. I think we we when we Did went we through our, <laughs> I think when we went through our Jeremiah series I think we we saw that okay. one so good good so it takes us through chapter ten yeah we're two thirds of the way through yep yep so uh, we'll finish up next time right. you know with with this but um, uh, yeah some big pictures some some threads uh, like Gary said working through this this theme of immaturity we don't want to be immature. And so let's use this as an illustration, as an example to what we're not supposed to be. <laughs> and the things that Paul says help straighten us out as we go through here, right? Yeah. 
As always, if you have questions and comments, we'd love to hear those. Uh, feel free to uh, share this with your friends and family, anyone else that you think would be uh, find this helpful. And we'll see you back here next time to finish up 2 Corinthians. Bye, everybody.